on this week's episode of A Slice of Golf, we suggest that we should be banning gimmies. That's it. No more gimmies. We also want to know if Colin Morikawa is the new Tiger, and we ask ourselves which players are really good, they're just never going to win a major. As ever, brought to you by myself, Chris Wright. Me, Tim Williams. And me, Ben Fowlis. Welcome along to a sweltering episode of A Slice of Gold. We're recording this in on an evening and I'm going to live with you. I'm still melting. It's just so freaking hot uh, in, in classic British. I don't know what the phrase is, but we moan when it's cold and then it goes from cold to Saharan levels of heat and we then start moaning it's now too hot um so uh, ben tim how are we uh, i'm assuming we've all watched some of the open uh, this weekend but i want before we get onto the open i want to talk about our weeks i'm going to come to tim first yeah let's do tim first tim how's your week been and i know you had a little range session today maniac yeah through that so i had a range session at the end of last week so that was Friday after work um I was actually driving up north on Friday night and finished work about five and I just really really wanted to squeeze in an extra rain session like for my week but was really conscious only had a couple of hours to do it I mean the rain session it wasn't bad but when you're when you're like really really aware of time just the kind of concentration level go so I ended up having just a really not a bad session but like a pretty average one so I thought right I've not I've come back today and I thought right got a spare day today so um had a few chores to do around the house and then thought right about you know about 11-ish thought right I've had quite a nice easy day so far go to the range take my time have a good warm-up a good stretch um, did all of that stuff beforehand started hitting balls hitting it really really nicely starting with sort of pitches and chips winding up to the driver I hit I reckon about three drivers and I was dripping in sweat. <laughs> um, the thermometer in the car was, it was 30, I think it was 32 degrees on my, as I left the car at the range. And I thought at the time, oof, that, that is quite warm. And then, but then I thought, oh, but it's under, it's under cover in the range. So you might, in the shade might be a, slightly, a little bit cooler. Um, no, no, not at all. Um, Hotter, if anything, I It was really, really, really warm. But and I, and I actually, so I started playing. Um, I played virtual golf. Played uh, eighteen holes at Brohoff, the stadium course, uh, at the range today. And literally, I played about five holes, and I was genuinely considering just throwing in the towel and just bailing and walking off. I was like, I am so warm like it's it, the rain session was going fine it was going quite nicely but i thought i'm so hot and i'm getting really really tired but what i thought i'd do was like i'll stick with this because oh maybe this is kind of like you know what the professionals do you know practice under pressure practice when you're really hot and tired and your focus isn't really there so i stuck it out and i'm glad i did because actually had a really nice session in the end mm-hmm. um had to come home quite quickly afterwards for literally a freezing cold shower um and i'm back on the course this coming sunday making my debut at pedham place uh no less which apparently is a lynx style uh inland course so i'm very very excited about that 
Uh, is that your first? You've never played Pedham? No, debut there on Sunday. Fine. Pedham no, is in my top, definitely my top three of our price, uh, of, of that price bracket golf course. I, I love Pedham. Great golf course. Good fun. Um, awesome. Always so windy. Ch- oh, ch- yeah, so one. there's uh, a couple of things here for the listeners. One, uh, this has already sparked a discussion topic for later on in the show about dealing with the heat when playing golf. Uh, and two, question for you. Was there anybody else mental enough to be at the range? You know what? It was actually surprisingly, considering it was, what, 11, yeah, 11 o'clock on a Monday morning, it was busier than I thought it was going to be. Um, now, there were four lads in the bays next to me, and I assume school, where are we now? 19th of July. Schools are on holiday now, maybe? Or colleges are on holiday? Maybe. maybe. Um, so they looked kind of that age. There was a fella in the bay next to me who... I. He, I was having a bit of a chat with him just sort of in between shots because we, we were both taking sort of time in between shots because it was warm today. And good on him. He, he, it was his first time hitting a golf ball in a year because he had had apparently like reconstructive knee surgery. So I was thinking, oh, God, I hope that goes well because I don't, as bad as it sounds, I'm not the man to be there if that knee suddenly goes doink and just <laughs> <saves him laughs> in I'm not the one, I'm not the person to be um you know dealing with that medical emergency but he was absolutely fine um and fair play to me hitting it quite nicely um other than that yeah it was kind of the the older generation i think it's fair to say that were down there so I, I, do, I do always find that there are two types of uh, people at the range there are the, the person that that loves a little chat with the person in the bay next to them and i would often fall into this category to be honest with you if we're taking as you just said taking a little break here now and, and then there are the people that are like I will kill you if you ever even look at what I'm doing in my bay. So, Tim, you you quite obviously fall into the the first category of well, no, 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 no. It entirely depends on how my range session is going. <laughs> okay, fine. If I'm having a good session, more than happy to talk to anyone. Have love having a bit of a chat. I'm never, I'm never that guy, by the way, to kind of you know start giving tips or I'm, I'm just not, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm an 18 handicapper. I have no business doing that anyway. Um, but no, like, you should do that though, as like a comedy sketch video, just tips. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Have you seen what you're doing wrong here with your swing? Yeah. I think your swing plane is slightly off. This is what, you're, <laughs> what you need to do. Um, but no, if there's, to be honest, if I'm really, if, if I'm focusing really, really hard on working on something, on training or something, I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to be focused head down, just me and if it's not going well i sure as hell don't want to talk to anybody because uh i just want to be free to great myself i imagine palace you're a if, unless it's a booked social range session i imagine you're a you talk to me and i'll kill you i think it's, it's literally dependent on if i've got headphones with me on if the headphones are in then don't bother just don't bother talking to me but if the headphones well, are out then uh, i will talk to everyone and probably oh, fine okay bore people to death yeah well, we're more social than I thought we would be then. That's awesome. Mm. Okay, great. Good good news. Um, I'm a bit worried about the going on to Ben's explanation of his week because as far as I'm concerned, last week he had the calendar of a pro golfer and played 16 rounds of golf. So <laughs> I'm worried how we do this, Tim, without spending the next hour and a half of just being a review of, of Ben's week. <laughs> yeah. Keep him on, on track. So, uh, Ben. Take us through the good, the bad, the ugly. Give us. Let, let, I don't. I don't even know what time zone to like, keep this to. Like to give you a challenge to keep this to. But yeah, just take us through and take us what, what we can learn from it and what we can uh, 
what the listeners might find useful and valuable. Right, so I took a week off last week. This is where I had all the free time to play golf. So I had rounds penciled in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, well, Thursday and Saturday were provisional, dependent on kind of if I wanted to, and, and they were flexy for kind of uh, watching the Open versus playing golf. Uh, in the end, I actually opted to watch the Open, but I think mostly because I had such a good, but also devastatingly disappointing uh tuesday wednesday and kind of it, it goes very much in in two ways with this um first of all twilight golf is definitely now my favorite period of time to play golf in absolutely excellent and also kind of i think the narrowing you know we've touched upon this before and it just confirmed it for me the other well, throughout both rounds i am built for speed golf fast-paced golf really suits me really really well so for instance tuesday night was three hours 30 for full 18 and there was three of us playing the course was every tee box was was fully booked um and then the same for wednesday there were tee times all the way behind us there were people all over the course and we got around in three hours 45 uh so we did off at like 5 p.m um on tuesday at san martin's and bearing in mind they had their club champs there a couple of weeks ago it was immaculate Absolutely incredible. I love their practice facilities. So I went down there early, worked in the, in the short game. Um, it was with a couple of mates I went to school with, both of similar level. Now, we know we've spoken recently that I'm playing a lot with, with real newbies. And, and kind of I am starting to see the difference between playing with 236 handicappers with two handicap around my sort of level, around the well, Aussies off nine and then Cam's off 16, I think he is. So it just meant we were all keeping the ball in play. We all played relatively well and it ended up, we absolutely raced round. Um, yeah, played some of the best golf I have ever played in my life. Um, 82 strokes in total, 37 points. And we actually played from the competition tees. So I would have loved to have seen what that would have turned out to be off the yellows because it was a, a, a fair difference uh, in some spots. I lost four golf balls. Um, Unbelievable. I kind of, one was on 18. At the time, I didn't know. All I had to do was par it and break 80. Um, but it was kind of the other two boys thwacked it off the tee, lost ball. And then I think my head there was a little bit rattle, uh, rattled. And I just decided <laughs> to plant one straight in the tee trees. Uh, that is ball number three, gone, reload, ball off the tee, bang, other side of the fairway with my mate's driver, another ball lost. So, had I parred it, that would have been for 79 um, to break 80 off of competition tees, which I would have been pretty bloody happy with. I only came to that conclusion when we were sat on the patio having a beer afterwards. So that was, that was, this is where I mean it's pleasing, but devastating uh, at the same time. I think the pleasing, but also devastating point is I think I mentioned it to you straight after the round. I think I played two poor shots the whole round. Um, and by poor shots, what I mean is, just physical errors ones where you're like as a shit shot you know we all hit them it is what it is where i lost quite a few shots were just mental errors just really really stupid mental errors like i what did i say i fatted two parts yeah unbelievable and left it miles short and you're like that's not a physical error that is just complete lack of concentration hole two absolutely striped uh hybrids i think it was like 230 240 it rolled out to 60 yards in nice easy pitch over a tiny tiny little pond again can make that shot you know relative ease where did i put it straight in the pond fatted it 40 yards brilliant so again mental error just not focusing following hole stepped up put one on the wrong fairway other side of the trees 
and I then smashed it, took the wrong club, smashed it straight into the top of a tree. The ball never came down. It was stuck in the flipping tree. So it's, again, it's one of those, you walk around the other side of the tree and all the boys are like, no, didn't see it down. I'm like, what, what have I done there? Why, why, why have I just played that shot? All I had to do was, it was an A-time versus a wedge. I wasn't going for the green. I was going for the middle of the fairway and it would have been the difference between a 9-iron or a 7-iron in. I went for the, oh, I, I want a 9-iron in. So let's play the 8-iron and get nowhere near clearing the trees. So, yeah. That was where um, I was, was gutted, but really, really happy. Uh, back nine, again, possibly the best golf I've ever played. I was two over on the back nine, walking onto 18. Yeah, that was pretty devastating. Some good really, golf. That's some really strong golf. Well, I again, I always feel a little bit jealous when someone has an awesome round of golf. But uh, what a watching it, the course looked amazing, by the way. <coughs> the course looked absolutely stunning. And but it's always good hearing one of us having a great round. So really well done. Yeah, uh, I, I think the handicap took a little cut straight away, didn't it? It did. So we're down to eleven point two. Lovely. He's getting closer. And then do yeah. we want to review Wednesday as well? It's Wednesday. Yeah. So Wednesday was even better. I turned up to the course really feeling good um, because of off the back of Tuesday. I felt good turning up Tuesday because I was like, I feel like I'm flushing it when I'm hitting the ball now. I feel like the lessons have, have embedded in. The stuff that I was working on of both of them was all about balance transfer and then getting more lag on the club. Uh, and the coach said to me at the time, if you start pulling the ball, it's a good sign because you've embedded everything in well. Um, and I basically, I think over the course of the two days, I hit one, no, two slices. Slices almost almost by bad shot. Like most right-handers, you come over the top. And to go from hitting quite a few around to two over the course of two rounds, um, I was really happy with that. And I was just slightly pulling everything. So I'm like, look, it's there. Because the pull is keeping the ball in play. The slice is, is, is off onto other fairways where it bounds. Um, turn up and slight booby on my part. I, I looked in my bag and realized I only had one golf ball. So uh, it was, <laughs> was determined to look after that. Obviously, we're not... We're not uh, I, I was back at my parents. So I didn't take... I forgot to, to pack my bag before I went. So I, ha- I had all the scuzzies in there. So by having one golf ball, I have one golf ball that I normally play. The rest are all okay. shitters that only come out of the bag when it's going horribly wrong and I don't want to <laughs> lose any more balls. So I was down to one and I was aware of that and I knew how to look after it. And I went off like an absolute train. So I was 40 strokes um, through nine, 20 points. So I was four over par. Um, I then stepped onto 10 and 11, birdied both, par 12, and then bogeyed 13. So through 13 holes, I was three over par. Unbelievable. Now that's, needless to say, that's the best I've ever you know, I played playing off of. 12 on the day that's the best i've ever scored best i've ever played but it was getting dark pretty quick pretty quick and then was then kind of really aware that we might not actually get 18 holes in so i was like i have to get 18 holes in today we have to capitalize on this um and it turned into rush golf rather than kind of speed golf and that led to me really really fucking it and again this is not a wasn't a physical error, literally stepped up onto the tee box, didn't have a practice swing. I was like, look, I'm just swinging it well, trust it, and just get it away. Play the hybrid, that's my safety club. Hard tug straight into the trees, ball gone. This is on hole 14. I'm like, it's five holes to go and I'm three over par. Like, this is, I was, what was I? I was, I was one under, I was one under on the back nine. I was like, let's just keep this going. Um, and then I was, as you can imagine, really, I shouldn't have been. 
But because of that, I was agitated and annoyed at myself for rushing it. And you know, when you rush it, you play a shot. If you do everything right, you take your full routine, you feel good, and you hit a bad shot, you're like, oh, fuck. It's annoying, but it's just a bad shot. When you make a mental mistake, that's just stupid. So I then made the great idea, or had the great idea, of pulling three wood and trying to rip it, and then topped it about 100 yards. So I then <laughs> compounded that three off the tee by knocking it 100 yards down the fairway on a par five. Um, it's quite a thin yeah. type of half five at Pine Ridge. Um, and then, as you can imagine, my head um, was in all kinds of places. And again, unforgivably, just I couldn't couldn't refocus. So then the next, next hole, uh, so I think I hit an eight on that, doubled the next hole, doubled the next after that. So I went from being one under on the back nine to very quickly over par. Um, yeah, literally no need to do it. No need to even rush the hybrid because it turns out we made it through the full 18 with plenty of daylight to spare. So as much as I stepped off, um, of 18, having shot, what did I shoot? 82, 83 for 70, uh, for 37 points. It could have. And should have been mid seventies for like forty points, just because it was all a case of just being mentally stupid and going right. Let's rush it. So, what, so what's the lesson? What what's the lesson? If you're running out of light, just carry on playing the exact same you've been playing all day. Don't all of a sudden try to speed up the game in the hope of getting eighteen in. Because that that was in my head. I was like, look, I'm on for a good score here. I was against another Frey Bentos player, so I knew that it was a scoring round in the race. So I was like, no, I, I have to get eighteen in to, so that this qualifies in the race because it would be probably my best round of the year. Well, it would have been my best best round of a lifetime had I just gone the next few holes one over par on every hole. I would have broken my 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 own personal record. So it's an odd, this is where I said it's an odd one. Really, really flipping happy where my game is at. Like, you know, when you get the it's pleasing to see what you've done in the lesson setting in. You're like, yes, this is a justification for why I've done it. But then equally incredibly disappointed at how I finished off both days because there were some serious scores there. Um and it's something that I can directly control. It's not bad tired shots, it's just being an absolute knob and having brain farts on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I mean, look, we're, we're all, we're all open to those moments on a golf course. And I think that's, it's as you, you would have, you have that moment of recognizing, okay, I'm about, I'm about to have a brain fart here. What do I need to do? How do I get out of this? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we do that apart from just being consistent and re, like, you're really good at your, like your routines. And I think that a routines is probably the, the, the best defense we have against, and what you could get brain farts on the course. That was that was what happened Wednesday because up until that point I was brilliant from my first tee shot all the way through. It was just yeah, we're playing quick, but ultimately I don't think I'm slow. And I kept the ball in play. Obviously, it was, it was what two over part. That really helped speed of play. Uh, and then it was like I said, just conscious of the light. It was like right, we need to turn things up a notch a little bit. Routine went. Um, just banks on my swing being there and it and it didn't it deserted me because apparently i'm not that good at golf which <laughs> probably won't play it off 12 well, but awesome. um uh, and then the, the, the the big experiment of of lifting the lead heel um that is gone that is dead and buried so we tried that over the past six months to see whether that made much difference um i've read that some of the pros had done it based on lack of mobility issues so on the back swing was leading my left heel then driving down back down through it 
you know, with what I do for a living, I'm relatively mobile as it is. Uh, and just I actually watching the videos of the day, I don't get any more rotation from lifting my lead hill, uh, which means I doesn't transfer into any more power. But evidently, it means I'm a little less accurate. So the lead hill experiment is is gone. Is okay. That is, uh, yeah, that's gone. So the hill stays on the floor from from, from now on. And the final thing was uh, fast fast golf. Is, yeah, fast golf is good for me. Rushed golf is not good yeah. at all. That's okay. the lesson for the weekend. Okay. Nice. I like it. And, and I think we've kept uh, probably less than 65 minutes there for that review. So <laughs> uh, the, the fans will be happy. Uh, I'll do a quick, uh, I'll say a quick, this is not going to be a quick a quick review because we've got Pops Watch uh, to talk about very quickly. Uh, last week was, <laughs> last week was a bit of a disaster for me. Uh, both golf and just life in general, to be honest with you. Uh, after uh, I had full plans to have a nice range session, me and Pops, Ben had booked a lovely twilight round at Putnam Golf Club on Friday at 5.30. And in my head, I was going, yeah, go to the range on Wednesday, just swing the club, feel good about you know golf, and then get out on Friday and be ready. And uh, knowing that Ben already had a round on Wednesday, had probably done like 17 range sessions and been you know, practicing a lot. So Monday night, we finished recording the podcast. I'm not going to get too graphic, don't worry. Uh, but I wake up at about midnight and I then spend the next 36 hours in, in the bathroom, uh, not, able, not able to move, basically. So uh, absolute disaster. Could have just very, very, very ill no idea what it was we think it was just a bug that the kid brought back from nursery so i'm blaming him because uh, he can't because he can't argue back <laughs> can't argue back uh needless to say the range did not happen i still felt really ropey uh come wednesday uh, even ben said why don't you just come out for a nice little cheeky twilight round on wednesday and i thought i'm not even going to risk getting to the <laughs> furthest point away from the clubhouse and then being squid squid squitty bum after nine hours <laughs> having to run off the numerous jungle poos on the course i was like so i'm not going to do that which meant that i got to friday evening and had not hit a ball for two weeks or whatever and was like okay how is this gonna go oh and just to make this make me feel even more like an old man oh, and it's probably to be fair because i spent all day just lying on whatever it was tuesday wednesday bloody hip pain like you cannot believe it i imagine it's what felt it's what i it's so deep into my hip i was like i imagine this is what arthritis feels like obviously not. Well, i really hope it's not arthritis but um and i was like this is this is not ideal for good golf so i got all the excuses in straight away when i met ben on friday uh he'd been giving me shit about how he was going to beat me uh that week and to be honest with you uh i wouldn't have been wouldn't have been surprised with with the outcome if he had uh, i think we best review ben my round uh i ended up on 30 points I honestly don't know how I end on 30 points. If we'd got to the end of the round and he'd said you'd scored 19 points, I wouldn't have been surprised. Wow. I spent more time in the trees than literally I've ever done in my life. And it wasn't, it was, and I just got a lot, a lot of luck. Like I reckon I hit provisionals on maybe six holes, thinking that's a gonna walk over and then me or Ben find my first ball. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like this, I was getting a lot of, 
luck. I say luck, I shouldn't have been in the trees in the first place, but I was finding the ball, which really helped. Uh, but this really, for me, highlighted something. Me and Ben were, well, first of all, me and Ben were all square on the 17th points-wise. And this is, it's a par three. It's into a car park. I'm hoping you say that you shat your pants. That would be quite amusing. To <laughs> <say>. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. For the 18th, we're, it's a par three. And we always, I've played there a couple of times before, and it's it's terrifyingly close to the members, the members' car park. So there's like a members' car park behind the 18th green. And it, and it's, it's at that point where you're like, if you thinned one off the tee, you're in the car park. Like, there's nothing in between the green and like you're in the car park and whenever you like walk up to go to the clubhouse everybody everybody who's playing that hole is short of the green like you know that they've just been like oh, i'll just take a little bit less club and not yeah. like you know that they've whisked out of hitting a full shot so we walk onto the 18th and i'm sat there going we're all square ben ben takes his shot he'll tell me that he didn't um bottle it but he put his first one so far left like it was an absolute goner so <laughs> I, I said he absolutely bottled it and the knowing what i you know in my head i was like okay we've been talking about how everybody is short on this hole just like trust the yardage i actually ended up clubbing up but then like holding down the grip of it basically so sort of full swing but not full length club uh, and i hit it and i thought that looks that looks really good one bounce hits the pin and i was like it ah! and then it obviously hit the pin and shot off the green but i was still like, <laughs> oh, i was like oh, I, was, I was just like you know when you're like oh this is this is going in this is my this is my moment this is my chance uh, and then quickly removed removed from that still managed to make a two uh, two putted from the edge of the green and oh, God. <laughs> so yeah overall i was i just i I was doing stupid shit. I couldn't, I really, I know this is going to sound like an excuse, but the, the pain, like the pain in the hip, I, like I couldn't stand over a putt for very long, which I actually think helped because it literally meant I like lined up the putt, stood in the stance. It really freaking hurt. So I just hit the putt and my putting was what absolutely saved me. However, on the long game, I couldn't rotate. Like I couldn't use my lower body to rotate. And actually, Ben, it's interesting that you said you've removed the, the hip lift, the hip lift, sorry, the heel lift. Because about hole fourteen, I was like, I just need, to, I need to do it to lift it, not for the rotation, but so that I can trigger the downswing. Because for me, I was really struggling to just use the lower body in the downswing. I was like, I just need to lift that heel so I can slam it into the ground, just to trigger that downswing, and that seems to help me that's that recovered my round that's, that is one thing i did notice is if you are trying to gain more more distance and you struggle with kind of weight transference um that did help me get transferring harder because if you are stamping that heel down into the floor if it is elevated you are you i was pushing off way harder um kind of transition back away from it now and i am moving much better but yeah it definitely helps that I just, I just had to, I had to do it because I was like, I'm not, I'm not using my lower body in the downswing mainly because it hurt, but I was like, and I just need to figure out a way that I can do it, that it, that it doesn't hurt as much. And actually that worked really well and stopped, actually oddly stopped me from pulling the ball miles and keeping it in play, which really helped. But so I finished strong, which I was pleased with, finished on 30 points in the end, literally no idea how I did that. Um, 
and talking about brain farts, Ben, there was one moment where I just had a total, uh, I can't remember which, t- I think it was the 10th, 10th or the 11th. And I just had a birdie on the 9th, so I was feeling pretty good. Step up, hit a drive, and it's an absolute bullet. Me and, me and Ben both watching it, and both of us at the same time go look at each other and go, just lost it. There <laughs> we go. Like, sailing down, like, it wasn't going to go middle of fairway, but it was sailing off. Like, we both had the line. It was look, We were looking at the tree going, it's in that line. And then both of us at the same time looked at each other and went, huh, gone. I was like, well, it must be down there somewhere. Like, it's, it's heading on down there. Never found it. Never found it. Oh. And at that point there, I totally lost my head. Like, like that hole was a right-off. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, that's not. I was just like, that's not a lost ball. That is just not a lost ball. Take a drop, you know. Two shots. So, did, so pops didn't give you a free drop for that, like a friendly free drop, like probably. No, you not take it. No, you not take it. Can't take friendly free drops. Um, given, well, let me interject there because pops has definitely given me a free drop before when we've had like a when I've hit a drive that we both categorically agree that shouldn't be a lost ball. That's not a lost ball. <laughs> so just so just let me see you next. Yeah. Just, just drop that one into chat. It, well, and to be fair, I I wouldn't I I don't think I'd have accepted the free drop. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't think, but it, it, even 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 if I was in that moment and I was like, yeah, I'll take the free drop. I still my head was gone because I was like, <laughs> okay. right, this. And I I can't remember. I think the next shot I chunked chipped up towards the green, blazed one over, and I was like, yeah, I'm done with this hole. Like, uh, you know, I'm done. I couldn't even walk onto the next tee. I couldn't get it out of my head. Blazed the next driver into the trees on the left, and I was just like, this is bull- I hate this game. <laughs> <laughs> Reloaded, hit a wonderful drive, and I was like, I absolutely love this game. Let's go. And I was just like, this is just, I've, I've ruined two golf holes here because of a moment of, I like should have just got over that and just dropped the ball. I probably could have recovered a bogey or whatever, and and got on with it and moved on. Instead, I blobbed two holes in a row, and yeah, that was that was that was his show. Um, Pops, how is Ben doing? On Wednesday, he snuck out for a secret solo round, uh, and I can report, and that was at Hurtmore, and I can report he had the best round of his life. No, no, that's a lie. Second best round of his life. He, I, think he, I think, yeah, allegedly. He was on his own, so no one can actually... When, he was out, when he's out by yeah. himself. So he he's he's hit 90 shots. I think he's broken 90 once before. Um, and he complained to me. He was like, my putting is what let me down tonight. I was like, okay, cool. Well, let's, let's see on Friday. Friday, Putnam, much harder course, much harder test. Like, you're punished if you go offline. Greens are much quicker, you know, like, all over the place. And... A, a firmer test for sure. Uh, I can report that dude can hit a ball now. Good. His long game, he can he can hit a ball. He didn't bring his driver out. He just took his hybrid, and there weren't many times that he wasn't a, like a good distance. We always take the piss out of Pricey not hitting the ball a long way. He was hitting he was hitting a good distance. He's got a much stronger, more compact swing, and right, and the three thousand practice swings are playing off. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's practicing like a tour pro, and he's uh, improving dramatically. I ha- I have to say, just the speed of you know speed of the swing is noticeably quicker. It's all just much more an athletic swing. <laughs> what is horribly letting him down is his <laughs> short game, and and I can only I'll just use a perfect example of this. 
TG Green, he's re- like he's good. There was one hole where it's a par four. He put his hybrid middle of the fairway. I put my draw. I was. I think I used a. I think I used my three hybrid. Put it into the trees. I've chipped out of the trees sideways because there was nothing going forwards. I've chunked a, ch- a pitch, which was like 120 chip yards. I've then chipped on and one putted for a five. No idea how. That was that was the that was my round. That was literally my the story of my round. Shit, 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 shit. Good, good. You've walked off with a bogey. Happy days. Um, ben, middle of the fairway, onto the green in two, four putted, lost the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Agonising. That and that and that was literally his round. He was. He was tee to green, really good, unless he missed the green, and then it was could take another four or five shots. Is a putting grip change in order? I, I, he he said he was like, I just need to actually have a lesson in chipping and putting and whatever. He's like, I just don't really know what I'm doing when it comes to around the green. Uh, if he does that, which which he will, because he's got several lessons in his in his locker to use. Um, he 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 has the potential to be breaking 90 quite regularly based on how he played the other day uh, i don't want to big him up too much because i am or maybe i should big him up we're playing again on friday night at putnam again uh, okay. yeah ben you are awesome i want you to just relax don't worry about it and uh hopefully i can actually turn up and play this week so um, yeah really good course really enjoy it ben's playing really good and love it twilight golf is definitely the shit the one yeah yeah Love it. Um, awesome. So we're now half an hour in already. So uh, I probably <laughs> reviewing, reviewing average, average golf. Uh, but hopefully there's, hopefully there's some lessons, lessons in there. What, what, I should, what should we go on to? Should we go on to the Open? Let's do the Open. Let's do a yeah. review of the Open. I assume that we've all watched some, a lot of the Open this week. Uh, let's just do, let's do the recap. I'm just going to come to, we all know uh, if you haven't, if you haven't watched the Open yet, probably just, there's going to be some spoilers in, in here. Uh, Colin Morikawa walking away with the win and just looking calm as anything. Yeah. Like, from mentally, just unbelievably strong. But I want to know what talking points, what did you watch? What did you enjoy? What did you not like? Timbo, let's come to you first. Watched loads of it. Um, yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Because, I mean... Firstly, the weather, obviously four just absolutely baked out days. So there's never any of the kind of the inclement weather that the open can throw up sometimes. Um, the wind too much, did it? The wind was No, quite not even the wind. You had no rain to deal with, no cloud cover, no real wind to deal with. <laughs> I, uh, okay, I'll butt in there. So my, my, my pre-tournament picks for DraftKings completely cocked up because of that, because I picked based on the fact it was going to be typical yeah. links conditions of a little bit of wind and, and yeah. potentially a bit of rain. Obviously, it wasn't forecast, but I was banking on it. Didn't happen. Sorry, Tim. Yeah. Um, I... I sort of read a few things coming into it, and I thought that oh, the, the one trick I've missed with my um, with, with fantasy golf was speed for that very reason. That of, of all the golfers that are out there, that once you take away the immaculate conditions and the ability to hit long drives, just have a golfer that sort of can hit the shots to get you round a golf course when there's all sorts of weather going on. He's the one. Um, and as it happened, I mean, obviously, you had a fantastic run yesterday. It was interesting. I'll, I'll come. I'll, I'll come back to talk about it at the start, but um, I'll talk about it at the end. Yesterday, I was so torn 
with the with it coming down the final stretch because I was genuinely in a position where any of the guys who were in contention, I would have been super happy to win. Would have been really happy for um, Spieth to win just to kind of cap the the resurgence and the return to form. Would have been a great story. Would have been super happy for John Rahm to come to come back, having been sort of slightly written off after the first couple of days and to be honest barring his putting which you know he would admit was probably not as good as it should be yesterday he could have easily kind of had an extra three four shots taken off his total boost hazen obviously there was a story there if he managed to pull it off because obviously so many times of finishing second um and then as it came down to it morikawa i mean the stats are just the stats around Morikawa are just absolutely insane. But before we get into those those ones, the something that we were talking about quickly yesterday, just between ourselves, was the weekend before at the Scottish Open, Morikawa shot his worst ever round as a professional golfer and basically said, oh, yeah, I, I just need – at the moment, I've, I don't have a lot of experience playing Lynx golf. Um, I can't really figure it out. I mean, as it, as it turns out, it took him three days to figure it out. And he just <laughs> won the Open on debut, having won the PGA on debut. The youngest person to win two majors since Tiger, I believe. I think um, I, either the youngest or the only man to come back from a bigger g- gap at the start of the final day since Seve. So, I mean, you're talking bonkers stats and company oh, i also want to jump in with one i i think i saw this today i believe he now has more tournament wins than he does missed cuts which mm-hmm. seems ridiculous I, I don't want to jump on tim's stats because i've also got some stats do you want to do your morikawa stats then tim before because i've got no you go because i've kind of uh, i've kind of run out of mine and i was beginning to wonder that last one i was not absolutely 100 percent on so, okay, uh, so feel free to rescue so, me we think we think Tim, your performance in DraftKings, your uh, amount played versus ending up in the money, uh, is decent. Mm. If we just take a look at, so I can't remember what your your percentage of that is, Tim, but we always talk about that being great. Morikawa, he's played in so far eight majors. He's won two of them. That yeah. is fairly strong. Uh, then let's widen let's widen this out to. This guy's to all events. This guy's been a pro for what two years? Maybe, maybe not even. I don't know. Like, not it's not long, yeah. right? He's, he has played in fifty events and has five wins. He's winning ten <laughs> percent of the tournaments he enters. I mean, I know it's early days, but that is unbelievable stats for a for a guy coming through on tour like that's. That feels like it. Like feels like a lot. Winning ten percent of the tournaments that feels like a lot, right? Yeah, so, I mean, ten percent is phenomenally high. Like when you listen to golfers talk about it, and I've heard people talk about the game, you will lose more at golf than any other sport in the world in regards sure. to how often you actually take home the check. Think you are playing against one hundred and fifty guys over four days, and he's winning ten percent of the tournaments yeah. he enters at twenty four years of age. It's and two of those being the two biggest, two of the four biggest tournaments in the world is. Yeah. Staggering. It felt like it felt like a seminal moment yesterday where I think already before, I mean, we've talked on this podcast before about how, you know, we all believe that Morikawa is the real deal um, and is going to go on and win a shed load of majors. I think yesterday felt like taking 
on from that than being like, no, I think this we're actually at the onset of properly, properly the next superstar in Tiger. Should, what we said? What do you mean? What we're are we getting? Are we getting up to Tiger levels? I, I don't know that anyone's going to dominate like Tiger has. Yeah. But I think Morikawa is going to be one of those go- one of that level of golfer of our gener- of the Canadian generation. I, I I'd actually go out on a limb and say, I I don't think he will be one of the best golfers. I think we're talking about someone who, for his generation, and let's not go let's not go into comparisons too quickly. But of his, of his generation of golfers, I I think he's we might be looking at someone who just comes out and dominates and and this this is a crazy thing i sort of heard them talking about on the radio they're saying this guy and this is a guy who's quite known for being really streaky with his putter and having putting problems so he's won 10 percent of tournaments and (laughs) he's just so strong that it just doesn't matter how shit you are with your putter you're still gonna win I, i i think the reason for me tim that you said that yesterday is sort of was a big moment the the thing for me was he won the PGA with no fans. Actually, all of his wins so far have come with no fans or reduced fans. Mm. Yesterday, I don't know how many people were, but the stands looked full to me. Like the stands, especially coming up the 18th, the stands looked full. He's won that with a significant, I know it's probably not full capacity yet, but a, a lot of fans there. And that, I imagine, is a very, very, very different thing to do, a very, very different atmosphere to play in. So well, and, and he did not one point did I think he's not got this. Yeah, there wasn't a point where I thought he looked nervous. He didn't hit a nervous shot, did he? Well, that that was it. When he was the way he was on the 18th, it was where I really started to get sort of you know next level Tiger vibes because you know he was on the tee. And I, by the way, I don't know exactly what happened on the 18th. But I think there was someone someone in the crowd might be being an absolute bell end because I believe something was either said or a camera went off or. So he might have even been thrown onto the tee because he walked away from his tee shot. But there was no look to the gallery. There was no glare, anything like that. Just step back, step back on. Absolutely not. Eyes down, rocketed his tee shot, middle of the fairway. Walking up to the green, there was none of the, like, he had, he had, he had what, what was he, three shots ahead at this point? Two shots ahead at this point? Mm. You know, he'd hit his, he's hit his approach onto the back of the green. He had three putts to win the Open. Yeah, at that point, you're pretty much signed, sealed, delivered, pack up, done. But there was never even a look to the gallery when he's walking up to the green. There was no acknowledgement. He was just in the zone, fixated on putting. And that's not to kind of say anything against guys in the past that have kind of had a wave to the gallery. That's completely their prerogative and I'm all for it. But it just just gave me a real vibe of just someone who was just like, yeah, this is just what I do. I'm just doing my job and there's more to come. And and Spieth said it, he was like, he was like, I've played some of my best golf. Sure, he had a couple of dodgy moments, but he's like, and I was just waiting for him to slip up, and he just never did. Yeah, and I think there was there was a point on it was twelve or thirteen or fourteen where Morikawa had hit like he drained a monster birdie putt, and I was like, that's strong. And then he hit an errant shot, and again drained a long, long putt for par. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you've got if you've got those dropping in for par and you're not dropping shots on those, you are you're in a really strong position. Like, keep going, well done. 
And let, let's not forget, he played, you know, he played with Louis, who had an outstanding week and was yeah. leading. And he got in front and it was very much like Tiger or Brooks-esque. Once he hit the front, he put his foot on the throat and did not slow down, did he? It wasn't a case of, well, let's settle for this one shot lead. It was, let's just keep going. I'm going to play the game and, and that's it. Your, your game's over, Louis. Sorry. We're, yeah. we're running you out of contention. I think I one do. thing which is even more for me, just his post-speech. Yeah. Just a very respectful, classy, talented, just a really likable guy. And you're like, I want you to keep coming back and winning more. Yeah. I watched that and I thought, A, what 24-year-olds do we know who can speak like that? Mm. Right. And then I was all I could do in my head, and this is going to sound really bad, all I could do in my head was compare his post-winning post speech to a footballer of a similar 24-year-old after a game. I thought... There's no difference. It's just leagues apart, isn't it? <laughs> like it's just, it just. I was like, this man speaks so beautifully. He thanked everyone. I know it sounds really silly, but he thanked everyone that he was supposed to thank. He just, he went through. It. I was like, he is, he is literally born to be in that, in that frame. He's born to be there, right there. Yeah, hold it for it. And I think um, uh, another thing that I, I, I told you about, which is, is more impressive. Well. It's very, very impressive. And, and, you know, we've all changed clubs before. We've spoken about other players changing golf clubs and, and taking a while to to bed them in. Because he had a poor week in Scotland last week, decided to switch out the 7, 8, and, seven, eight and 9 iron. And he openly admits his 8 iron is his favourite club. So he's just decided to switch out his favourite club because of a, a different model, which will get through the turf a bit better. He also changed the weight on his putter. So he's changed four clubs, four of his scoring clubs, four very important clubs. And he changed his grip for lag putts. I don't know whether you saw that, but he was going sore, sore grip on the close ones. But he came out and said, yeah, after 20, 25 feet, he was struggling to get the pace. So he would switch back to a conventional grip. So you start factoring that. You're like, these are sorts of changes that professional players take months to embed in. And he's done it in the space of three days. Yeah. And he's now up the third in the world. So... In two years, well done, Colin Morikawa. Keep, keep going. Uh, only other thing that I had to take note of was John Rahm. Tim, you mentioned it. Uh, I just wanted to uh, give him a shout out for his majors performance this year. He has finished the Masters fifth, PGA eighth, US Open first, the Open third. Like that's four top ten finishes at the majors this year. That's some really, really strong. Strong golf, well done, Ron. Yeah, I think he's again. He's another one. He's he's just in that position, isn't he? We talk about Morikawa potentially going on to dominate, and I think you're going to see a lot of of John Ron there or thereabouts trying to fight, trying to wrestle the trophy out of his hands in years to come. Um, other things from me. What do you think is going to be going on in Cobra headquarters this week? <laughs> oh. <laughs> How did we not talk about it? Um, yeah, I, I had it written down. I'd be firing Bryson. Just what? Just for those for those that perhaps haven't seen it. Um, after was it day one? First day. First day. Bryson. Um, having oh, can a bit I can, of can I can I just interlude here? Prior to the tournament, so there's two PR gaps from Bryson for this week. Remember the pre-tournament press conference where someone questioned him why he doesn't shout four, and he got real shitty. Yeah. Real defensive. So I thought that was that's a, an interesting way to start a big tournament. And then, Chris, I'm going to serve it back to you and let you carry on. Yeah, he. so he had a poor day. He had, there's no other way to put it. He had a poor day on the link. And 
links golf Royal St George's you have to keep the ball in play like you have to keep you can't you can't be Aaron you can't be left right where you have to be you know fairway and the rough was really like the rough was really 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 long like it looked brutal uh, he was in that a lot uh, he gets to the post round press conference what went wrong Bryson my driver is rubbish <laughs> right you're blaming the driver yep and he, I, I don't have his full speech in front of me, but he basically just laid into the manufacturer that pay him lots of money uh, to use their clubs, blaming the driver uh, for it. It was a bold move. Uh, one that, as if I owned a brand, would be furious that the player that I was paying millions of dollars to to rep our brand was saying. And also, let's 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 get it right. Cobra are paying him the big bucks to rep their driver because he's the longest driver on tour. They're getting him to really sell their driver. Um, they're not they're not sponsoring him because he's a really nice bloke. Um, and <laughs> he he's just come out and said, "Well, the one thing you're paying me for, actually, it's shit." Yeah, and and in Cobra's defence, I actually like what they did. They yep. responded quite quickly and said. This is we. What did, what did they say? Something like, "Yeah, it's like dealing with a five-year-old. We bend over backwards for him, change his driver like 150 times a day, tweak everything that he wants to tweak, and then he comes out and says something like that, and it, that's really tough to take." No, so I think some of the things he said they said were, um, "The dude is never happy. The we dude. literally have dozens and dozens of guys working in the lab." cadding to uh, that's computer assisted design maybe cadding to like his specifications his demands um for him to come out and say something like that is just really stupid um so i i i my respect for cobra as a brand skyrocketed and i think that's probably fair of most people who follow golf after weekends to actually for once a brand sort of coming out and saying that's not acceptable that's ridiculous um, the only thing that would have made it even better, well, actually, no, it's one thing that did make it better and one thing that would have made it even, even better. Um, one thing that would have made it better was if the person who'd asked that question in the press conference just then just said to him, well, if you drive a sucks, why don't you just hit your three wood? Or your hybrid? <laughs> yeah. To see what kind of response that would have got. So that would have been funny. The, the other thing which made it superb was the next day when Brooks was having his post uh, round interview and they're saying, how did it go for you today, Brooks? And Brooks came out, yeah, really well. Love my driver. I was like, yes, I love, I love this feud so much. I'm still convinced they've got a secret pact between them just yeah, to win that, that PGA purse at the end of the year. Yeah. But, um, oh man, as a, as a, a sideshow to what was going on, I mean, that was just box office. Yeah. Oh, I had nothing else to say on that. Bryson was literally just being a petulant child, wasn't he? Just, it's the club's fault. It's not my fault. Yeah. Stupid, stupid, what? And that's the comparison, right? You've got Morikawa, obviously Morikawa won and was in a very positive frame of mind, but I don't ever imagine Morikawa being like slating his, the brand <laughs> in a post-round press, press conference. Come on, Bryson, what are, what are you doing? Yeah. Bold move. Bold, Bold move. <laughs> Bold move. I, yeah. I'd be getting rid of him. Anything be, else? Let's talk about with the rest of the Open. Yeah, I've got a couple of bits. Um, Kevin Kisner, final day. First player off was playing on his own. Had a two and a half hour round and then went and yeah. shot two under par. I don't know whether he saw that. That was uh, pretty mental. Actually, on the day, had he played 
head to head versus Louis. I think he would have beaten Louis, which is quite nuts to do to do in two and a half hours um, around that golf course. A uh, couple other bits I had with futures very bright for Robert McIntyre. Again, good showing. He was good at the Masters. Mm. It's tied for eight from seven under. I really enjoy watching him play. I've said before, something very therapeutic about watching lefties play. But the fact that he really goes after it and is quite adventurous, I think it's, it's just box office golf, uh, which is good to see. And also, without him saying, you know, we've spoken about him being slightly off form. And he was num- number one in the world. I kind of feel like Dustin Johnson is back to his form because Dustin Johnson had an in air quotes poor week yet he finished tied for eighth on seven under par everyone was talking about him uh, Dustin he's, he's not having a great week but to finish in eighth place on seven under par that's that's kind of world number one form isn't it when we're talking about someone having a poor week so I know it's probably a bit late for well it is definitely too late for the majors but I'd be interested with the FedEx Cup coming yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a real good run at that interesting Nice. Awesome. Uh, okay, let's move. Let's just quickly staying on the pros slightly here because DraftKings. Let's uh, do a quick a quick recap of DraftKings. Uh, I thought Ben was going to do worse by the, the day of the cut. Uh, turns out Ben hung on. You had Louis, didn't you, Ben, in your team? Which I did. Yeah. The whole time a lot. Uh, I think I've decided uh, again after the showing from this week. Louis and Brooks now have to be in the major teams because Louis. Yeah, any major uh, team. Brooks, you're Brooks gonna... came sixth. Get them in and then just work yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think that's probably a good tactic. Uh, for those of you who are not in the league, you would have seen Tim was the winner out of us three. I was in second. At the end of day one, I thought I like my chances here, guys. I like my chances. I was top after day one, uh, and then it wasn't that anyone like fell away completely they just they all kind of hit one under or one over or even like and it was just kind of there was five players at 30 to 50 which just doesn't doesn't really help you need people in those top tens like tim had uh tim you had who did you have in your team just run us through your, your winning lineup so i'm just i'm just doing the numbers um so basically uh two of my players uh contributed 55% of my points. Um, so that's, that's, that's how, you know, um, I picked okay. So yeah, I, I had, I had Morikawa always helps having the winner. Yeah. Um, also really, really helped having John Rahm, uh, yeah. finishing third. Um, and to be honest, I, I had one missed cut and I was surprised, uh, Detri, Detri, uh, missed the cut cause he's been in really good form recently. Honestly, I think one of the keys for me and, I, you know, momentary hands up because I said he was my top tip for the weekend. And as it turned out, he, he was nowhere near. It was Harris English, who had an absolute stinker of a first day. He was five over after the first day. And I believe he was like five from bottom. Yeah. But five over on the first day, five under yeah. on the second day. Makes the cut. Went, so made the cut, made the cut, goes into the weekend, then goes two over on yeah. round three to go two under on his final. So a roundabout, uh, a roller coaster weekend for Harris English, but from an almost certain cut to come through um, was, was decent. Tommy, I had in there, finished 30, 33rds with two under. So um, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. It was the fact that I had Morikawa and Ram that basically did the, did the business for me. And two players that I, I ended up watching a little bit of and took note of because they are always in at least one of our teams. And I'm going to suggest that we didn't pick them because it was Lynx Golf. It would have been some of their first forays into proper Lynx, you know, uh, and 
and just I trust that sounds really bad trust the South Africans the Europeans and the Australians on the Linksy Golf more but clearly Morikawa ruining that theory um was Connors and Scheffler and we they normally are always in our team none of us I don't think had them this time and both of them played some really 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 strong golf so shout out again I would love to have seen it with with the wind picking up at least a bit more but hey you got to win what's what's put in front of you and and uh, the guys did well out there for sure. So, can I just? I wanted to take a look at our standings because uh, it's competitive between you two. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we it's, a t- it's a two man league, it's really. Two-man league. It, has been, it has been for a while. Uh, so, point stand uh, myself on 18 points, uh, Ben on 35 points, and Tim on 36 points. Now, what I think we need to do though is we need. We need to pick whether we are ending this at the end of the FedEx Cup or the Race to Dubai because they're very different. FedEx Cup is September, Race to Dubai is November. We're going to have to go Race to, uh, race to Dubai, aren't we? We're going to have to go all the way but through. Then do we also, but the problem is then we've already started the PGA season, the next one, the next season, if that makes sense. Oh, don't worry we'll, about that. Let's go Race to Dubai. Our, we'll, okay, fine. Our year will be the, uh, the annual year. Yeah. We'll, we'll reset okay. after Race to Dubai. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, magic. That sounds good. And also, my I'd like to say that I'm becoming most improved player in the in the first 14 events. I picked up a total of six points of our in our three. Uh, in the last eight, I picked up 12. So I feel like I'm improving. That's that's yeah. I mean, a, you're not a you're not a free rolling steam train, but you're you're you're, you're doing a bit, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be picking up the odd point rather than zero. So I'm, I'm still one of you. How many you on 18? I'm on 18 points yet. You have literally like almost half the points of Fowlis, who's in second. Yeah, I'm half the points of you, Tim, in first. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but I was talking about to your next competitor. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I've got a long way to go, which it, which is better that we're now going up until the race to Dubai. It gives me a little bit more time to make a little bit. More okay, so that's a really conversation. <laughs> He's come into a bit of form and now he's playing the long game. Yeah, yeah. if we've now, now got a bit more time, I, you know, breaking 20 now seems like a, an achievable stat. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move on from DraftKings. We are a couple of, couple of topics to discuss. One, first one is from Ben. Uh, ben, I'm going to tee this up because there's a player that you were watching uh, at the Open who who's probably proved that if pros can miss from such a range, maybe we should think about this too. So just, just tee us up here, Ben. Yeah, so I think everyone can applaud how uh, brilliant it was to watch Jordan Spieth play. It was back to his artistic best at the weekend. And some of uh, the typical old school Jordan Spieth was back out of force for his short game. And then his long range putting was dialed, as it always is. But you will have seen if you were watching late on the Saturday, he missed what probably from two feet, yeah. one foot. And it's something I thought about when I was on the course the other night was I don't lose time on the greens. I take my time when I'm there. I kind of always feel like you're in and around the greens and you're done, all of you, whole playing group, within a couple of minutes, a few minutes. Where all the time is lost is when you're banging balls left, right and centre, looking for them in the trees, faffing around the tee box and doing all the bits that you do in between. If Jordan Spieth can miss from two feet, we can all miss from two feet. So my oh, idea, something I've been saying... From two feet. I do miss from two feet. So my idea, and it's something I've been saying for a while, is I just think gimmies should be scrapped for good. And just because we've all been on that round of golf where you're playing with your mate, you look at it and you're like, mm, that could be a gimme. 
And because you don't give it to them, they then get a little bit annoyed at you. And then it's almost like, a, I'm going to remember that for later on. Yep. Whereas if we didn't have a gimme, you wouldn't have that awkwardness. You wouldn't have the sympathetic, oh, yeah, you can, you can have that, mate. You've been playing shit, but we'll, <laughs> we'll give you that to help build the spirits back up again. If, it just, if we just wiped it, you, know, you wouldn't yep. be able to have a gimme on the tee. So why are we giving them on the grids? That's not where time is being lost, in my opinion. And like I said, tying it back in, if one of the best partners in the world can do it, I think it's fair to say we all need practice from two feet. Yeah, so let me let me just tee this up a bit even more. So the question, the overall question is, should we ban gimmies? Right? I know we all love a gimme. And I like it. It's, it's especially when you're like, that's really a difficult thing <laughs> for me. Yeah. If someone wants to give me that part, that would be really useful. But I think that's exactly the point, right? I think that's exactly why you're saying should should gimmies be banned even in club comps in in team comps you, they do gimmies and again there is that you see it you know almost at the rider cup you're like well if they've given me that i should probably give them that even though i don't think that they could actually make that putt but so then you make them putt and then they're angry and then they don't even give you a putt from like a foot and then you know whatever right oh i'm going to come to tim first so the question is should we be banning gimmies tim um so i totally hear where you're coming from um Yes, we absolutely should be practicing to the the two footer the, the the knee knockers basically as we call them. Um, I am, however, going to say we probably do need to keep them in the game to a degree, and there's two reasons why I'd say that. First of all, pace of play. Um, I think there'll just be a lot more farting around on greens, um, to be honest. Um, and the other thing is, and this will sound a little bit weird, and you kind of did cover it is. I, I mean, when you're playing just kind of recreational Sunday afternoon with your pals, I do like having the gimme is almost um, the ability to reward good golf that your mates have played. I, I do quite like that. Like if your mate has, you know, hit his wedge to within gimme distance, I'm like, I, I would feel compelled to be like, you know what, mate, it's a really good shot. Take the gimme, move on, because that's I'm happy to reward good golf or you know if someone's played out of danger and got themselves into gimme range i actually quite like to sort of have something that i can sort of reward them with a little bit i just quite like that i totally agree with you in any kind of in any kind of competition though no it should never even it should never be a thing i don't think it ever would be a thing in any competition um but i don't it's not in individuals comps although i'll have a question for you on this in a second but team comps so often when it's like 2v2 or whatever Team comps often, and again, well, any match play, any match play, ever. or match play. I would, yeah. I, would in, I would say in any any truly sort of competitive competition golf shouldn't be a thing. Should there should not be a thing as gimme recreational Sunday afternoon one off rounds hundred percent for those reasons I've mentioned. Um, but I say the, the, the primary reason is the ability to reward your player, someone you're playing with for playing good golf. I like that. Okay, okay so uh, who are you out with this weekend at Pedham? Uh, I'm out with uh, two of the members of the FBI. Uh, so I'm out with our pals, uh, Johnny and Graham. Uh, awesome. this you're, out with, you're out with two members of the FBI, which means all three of your scores will count towards the race. Yep. Uh, the race to uh, is it fair that you guys do gimmies? Yes, because I know for a fact that other people who've entered scores into the race. Uh, to no, 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 so, far, so far, so, but should it from here on out, as they're qualifying rounds for our race to Frey Ventos should give because, it Because, yeah, you said competitive golf. Yeah. This is 
highly competitive. This is highly competitive. They they are they are like what do you call it competitive rounds because they're counting towards the race. The only distinction with that is that the, it's an annual competition where every single round you play with someone who's in that society counts towards that overall end of thing race. It's not something that's decided over a weekend or a week away. And with that as being the distinction, i.e. if you you just wouldn't have guineas, basically, if we were to wave them all together in that competition. So I'm fine with it. However, there probably should be a little bit of a uh, gentleman and women's uh, agreement within the FBI tour of exactly what constitutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's probably where I'll uh, I'll probably. Well, fall I, I like that. I like that. And, and again, I think I want to. And this is quite relevant talking about uh, Ben with pops and his on the green <laughs> shambolic showing that happened last <laughs> last week. Four putting is as we've had in the group for totally unacceptable. The. He is someone who I can't remember what he's playing off now. Twenty four. He is in that kind of that twenty eight, you know, twenty eight handicapper getting down to the twenties, the teens. Getting confident over those short putts is huge. Like dropping those four, five, six footers can make a huge difference to someone's game. I'd actually say if you want to improve quicker, don't take gimmies. Like putt out everything. Because I think, because I think you get become a better putter. Well, I think with that, what, what, what if on that one, would you not do the whole thing of that's a gimme, but I wouldn't be honest, you putt it anyway? Or do you no, need to do gimme? Okay. I think, particularly with the, you know, the courses we play on at the moment, the additional 30 seconds or one minute that each player may have on the greens, you know, faffing around, lining it up, taking the putts from three or four feet, which would have been a gimme. You know, think of the amount of time we spend standing on tee boxes waiting to tee off anyway. And you think that extra minute or two putting out every single time, you know, it, it, it a three or four foot putt, as well, it sounds ridiculous. It's a skill in its own right, you know, but how often do we practice that skill? Not actually that often. Um, and I kind of feel like we, we would all benefit from spending that additional one to two minutes more on the green, knocking them in. Like, yes, overall, it's going to take more time, but you're probably not being slowed down. You're probably not slowing anyone down. And also, you're going to be waiting on the next tee box anyway. I, I'm with you, though. I, for my, my point would be, I I definitely ban gimmies in any level of competition, individuals, teams, whatever. Casual round, oh, I'm all for gimmies all day. Like, don't, I don't need the pressure of making a... <laughs> <laughs> a on a casual, a casual afternoon round or whatever. Uh so yeah, I but in any kind of competition, even now team events, I'd be, I'd be like, okay, well let's make them putt. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's it's something that you know I thought about. We did we didn't play gimmies last last Tuesday because one of the boys it was a it was a scoring round for for his handicap. So um, we kind of played without it, and I was like, actually, it's it's made me realise how little I do of two foot putting of three foot putting. Yeah, because we, we you just don't like instinctively. We probably don't even need our mates to tell us, yeah, it's done because you're like, oh, I'm just going to pick it up you feel like it's so it's, it's a gimme like you're all you've already got the ball in your hand before they've said oh yeah that's fine and to be fair as you improve as a player i feel like the gimme range also expands right because you just get more confident from yeah, sure. certain ranges right but there's always that range that you stood you stand over and you're like please give me this please give me this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is this is exactly the type of part I do not want to take. <laughs> Please give me this. But um, okay, cool. So the general consensus is 
in all competitions, which we in individual comps generally you obviously don't give any gimmies, but match play and team events, there's still gimmies being given. So we're saying in competitions, gimmies are not allowed. But casual games, obviously, give me whatever you want. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Ben saying banning all gimmies still. Ben still on that side of things. Okay. Fine. Uh, a question posed to us. I think. I think it was Ben uh, who said this. Uh, this is a pretty. This is this is slightly a, a depressing subject. Yeah, it's, it's 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 quite brutal. But yeah, um, and, and and it feels a bit mean doing this, but. Ben Ben's asked us a question. He wants to know, and maybe you guys, as you're listening, you'll you'll kind of come up with a couple of players straight away in your mind. Ben wants to know which players we think are really good, not like really good players, but will never win a major. This, so this is saying, yeah, you're a great player. Well done. You're just never going to be one of the one of the major champions. Uh, this came up because you know yet again at the weekend everyone was talking about Westy and his having his great chance and because of his start this week I'm probably going to hash this up I think it was his 78th major start uh, wow. without a victory it's the longest longest of any golfer in, in the history of the game um, and I kind of feel like that is a, an unfortunate brush to be tarnished with given the fact that he was his world number one and he's done all of the incredible things that he has in the game um, that kind of follows him round there's never won a major tag and that made me think. Of all the top players that are up there at the moment, you know, we've spoken about how competitive golf is at the moment. We spoke about Morikawa not quite reaching Tiger's level, probably because it's so competitive. There's going to be an awful lot of good golfers to never reach the the golden point of their career of, of, of picking up a major. So that, that was where I, was, I said it's pretty brutal. But I was like, well, who do you think is the best player currently which will never win a major? Oh, the best player currently who will never win a major. It's slightly different, but that's fine. Um, the more I, but okay. Uh, let's go, Timbo. Do you want to lead us off with yours? I'm torn between two, and I, I, I hate this topic because I hate talking about golfers in this way. Um, can I say two? Is that allowed? Can I have yeah. two within the current? I know you said who's the, currently the best that won't. Um, Tony Finau. He was annoyingly um, because I'm a massive, massive fan of Finau and the way he plays and the kind of. <sighs> The the kind not not care you'd never say carefree because you can't be carefree and be a professional athlete athlete but his his demeanor is as close to kind of kind of carefree as possible and he absolutely belts the ball. He's but very nice. He's very likable. Very nice. I, I there may be a killer instinct there missing in my opinion to be a majors champion um when it comes to female and look hopefully i'll give this the kiss of death and he'll come back and win a major next year because i'd love that to happen by the way um but there have been there have been a few (laughs) there have been a few times where he's been in with a a shot of winning a big one and it's just it's just faded away um and the other one and this this will be surprising for you guys to hear this because you know you know how much a fan of of this guy i am but I think with the with the I think Morikawa it will now go on a bit of a march. Xander Schauffele, I don't know. I don't. I, again, I'd love it to not be the case. I'd love it to not be the case. But and I can't even put a reason on it. That's the other annoying thing. I, just, I am first of all shocked, and I can put a reason on it. Okay, I followed you. I've got okay. Xander Schauffele. Okay. Um, 
So in five years as a PGA pro, he, he's, he has nine top tens at majors, which is staggering in five years. Yeah. Only two missed cuts. His best finishes, second at the Open, second at the Masters, 10th at PGA Champs, US Open third. His US Open record through five years is a third, two fifths, one sixth, and a seventh. Strong. Very. But he's a very nice guy. He's just a really, really nice guy, isn't he? I don't think he has that real killer instinct. And the reason why I thought of Xander straight away, and I've been thinking about him since the 16th at Augusta last year, he was on the chart. He was chasing down Hideki. Momentum was going his way. Hideki had just put that ball into the water on 15. Yeah. Now's the time. Put your foot, the foot to the floor. Put your foot on the throat. Really put the pressure on. Now's your best chance to go and win it. Hideki is going to be rattled. And he went and put the ball straight in the water. Yeah. I don't remember it. Plonked it straight in the water. Now, he, he finished for a tie of 26th this week in the Open. You know, there's no mean feat. Finished ahead of a lot of players. I just think he will always be a nearly man because yeah. he doesn't, doesn't strike me as someone who's got that real killer instincts. And final stat, which I think is going to back this up because as good as he has been, bear in mind, he is world number five at the moment. So he is a pretty phenomenal golfer. He's only got four career wins. And he's putting up a goose egg this year. And I think, you know, we keep speaking about how competitive golf is getting. The more young players that are coming in, you're like, wow, this player's got it. This player's got it. This player's got it. He, he you know, he's clearly doing well enough to get to top tens, to get up enough world ranking points. I think he's always going to be a nearly man, unfortunately. Interesting. I agree with him. Interesting. Really good. Uh, I also had Tony Finau. Uh, being a nearly man, just being a bit too nice. And then and I kind of had a, someone's too nice and someone's just too angry. And someone who I backed quite heavily this year to do quite well. And he started off the year so strongly, jumped into the top five in the world. Uh, and that was Tyrrell Hatton. And he started off this year so strongly and you watch his golf and I was like, this dude can play. Like he can really play like some serious level of golf. And again, he had a, a couple of moments where he swore at a fan this weekend. And and I just go, hmm. Temperament. Is, uh, say that again? Temperament. Temperament. I just go, does he have the temperament to win a major? And my answer is no. Not at the moment, if it stays as it is. I just don't think he... I think a major is obviously a very, very different win to a regular tour event. And I think he... I, I feel like what you're, I, I think that's a pretty good shout as well. I, I would agree with that. And I, I feel like he will be the type of player who will have an excellent career in the Ryder Cup. The passion will be there. And as a teammate, I think he'd be brilliant. And he'll win lots of um, regular tour events, no doubt, because he has a good enough game to do that. I just don't see it happening in the majors. Interesting. Right. However, at the beginning of the year, had you asked me that, and he's what did he, he he won one very early on, didn't he? Was it Abu Dhabi or Dubai or something around that? Um, and he just had a really really short. He jumped into the top five, I'm sure, very early in the year. I was just like, this dude is going to be on fire, and he's just kind of yeah. That was, <laughs> I remember because that was when we were battering Tim for not having him in his Ryder yeah. Cup team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was my that was my other pledge. Too angry. Too angry. Uh, did you have anyone else? No, I just no, unfortunately. Um, talking of Ryder Cup, after this weekend, have you guys seen the uh what the current Ryder Cup team would be? 
Uh, I've not looked, but I, mainly, mainly, mainly because um, I expect it to be horrifying how good the American team is. But, yeah. So, a first thing to note is this is a terrifying year to be having a Ryder Cup with the American team just looking ludicrously strong. Secondly, just one thing that where is it? Where has he gone? There he is. Two, well, two people that have jumped into potential contention, but I don't think we get it. Um, Lowry's now in. I can't remember if he was in before or not, but is currently just jumped into the world's point list five to get in there. I think knocking Perez out. Um, and two people on the European points list that have popped up. Uh, McIntyre, who I didn't realise was as close as as close as that, and Migliosi. I've probably said his name wrong, but um, oh, yeah. he's had a. And I was looking at him the other day for DraftKings. He's been having a really, really good yeah. season and coming into form really strongly. But again, just didn't realise he was he was so that we're, close to so, so without the captain's picks, have you got the list in front of you now? Yeah, shall I go through it? Yeah. yeah. So we've got so from European points list, you've got Rahm, Fleetwood, Hatton, and Fitzpatrick, and then from the world's points list, you add McElroy, Hovland, Casey, Westwood, and Lowry. So that's the thing, right? I would still back that team to go and do well. Yeah. I know it's, we've spoken yeah. about it. It's, it's in America. It's, go, it's, it's always extremely competitive, regardless of how strong the American team looks. But any on any given day, those players can beat the Americans head-to-head. Um, yeah. And I would... That's, that's still quite a strong strong lineup. And I... You know, Victor Perez like him as a golfer, but I'm not upset to see Shane Lowry replace him. I think Lowry would be excellent to have in the team for everything yeah. that he brings beyond just the golf yeah and then who would who would you right now be taking is it two cap two captains picks yeah two captains picks who would you be taking polter it's got to go right <sighs> oh really so if, hang on wait wait we've got we flipped because beginning was it beginning of the year we did this and i was like i'm not taking polter and now i'm like i'm absolutely taking polter <laughs> can you, do me a favor can you just run down who as it stands who's in so you've got Rom, Fleetwood, Hatton, Fitzpatrick, McElroy, Hovland, Casey, Westwood, and Lowry. <sighs> Just having a look about who could possibly go in there. So close, close. You've got Wiesberger, Perez, McIntyre, Migliosi, Fleetwood's not in the team. Oh, no, he is in the team. Sorry, yeah. Um, so yeah, those three are the close ones. But then you've obviously got Poulter. Justin Rose. Justin, Justin Rose. No, Sergio. Sergio, yeah. No, I think I would. I think Poulter, I think you would give Poulter a slot just for the experience versus those names. I, uh, it's really tough, isn't it? Because at, at what point is it just... Cause look, at, one, at some point... The, the run's going to finish for yeah. Polter. I don't yeah. want, you know, you know, you know. It has to be said. It has to be said. And at yeah. some point, you have to think. Look, let's just take the postman and the hype out of the equation. Let's just talk around players who you think will generate points based on recent form or form in the last couple of years. I mean, if you're going with kind of if you like the old, just like the old timers that have been there, seen it all, done it. I'm taking Justin Rose over Ian Poulter right now i oh, see i'm i'm not but and where did i oh, now and i'm now being really careful i'm now googling where did 
Where did Poulter finish in the match play WGC event this year? He did well, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did do well. He was, I feel like he was top six, seven, maybe. I feel like he I, was. I can't remember, but the American side, you've got Cooch, Kisner, um, Billy Horschel, all players that have proven to be solid match play players, which are nowhere near the squad currently. And that's, yeah, captain, that's, that captain's, that's captain's picks that might slide in. Because um, I can imagine Billy Horshaw would be good to have in the team as well. Mm. Absolute character and, and clearly, you, you know, way, winning. Did you see Billy Horshaw like faint or nearly faint on the course? No. He was, I saw his post-round interview and and he was being interviewed and I think it was uh, Iona Stephen was interviewing him and she's like, we're a bit worried for you on the second. And you watch the video clip of him and he takes a putt, putt rolls up towards the hole, he walks towards it. He, and he literally stumbles over and has to like use his putter to hold him up and then just stops there for like a good 10 seconds Shit. before walking on. He was like, yeah. And his what he said was, this is taking a, a weird turn back to the open. He was like, yeah, felt really, really dizzy, really, really sick. He was like, I've been feeling it all morning. And he was like, I almost almost withdrew um, because of it. And he was like, luckily I just made it through the first four, five, six holes. He's like, I had a couple of, bars that I had in my bag and started to feel better. And Iona was like, what what happened? He was like, he's like, I just love the UK foods. He's like, I've been eating crunchy nut cornflakes, Mars bars. It's just like my nutrition has gone completely out the window the last couple of weeks while I've been over here. And he just reckons it was like a complete sugar, sugar crash. Sugar crash or whatever and just just absolutely just can do it. He's like, so I'm back to eating good food. It's probably karma for uh for having a a West Ham bag. West Ham bag. Come yeah. on. Tragic, I don't want to see that. <laughs> see that. Um, but yeah, so scared, worried about the USA Ryder Cup team. That is really terrifying. Sure. Just, just quickly, whilst we're still yeah. on, because I've been doing some number crunching while you've been talking in the background. Um, so everyone, you know, we're all talking about Pulse, you know, Postman, always delivers. Um Justin Rose averages more points in a right per Ryder Cup than Pulse does. Just FYI. Mm. Okay. And Rose, Rose did look, look that, pretty good for, for not the same. Not the same with passion, though. Sorry. Oh, not not with with not with the same passion. Oh, we'll put him on the team for passion then. Well, I just for TV ah. ratings, he needs to get his <laughs> needs to get his his player performance program, whatever it's hey, called. I'm not picking my I'm not picking my Ryder Cup team for <laughs> TV ratings. I'm picking to win, and I'm saying uh, right now, if you if on the team right now, if it was if it was between Justin Rose and Ian Poulter for the very very last spot on the Ryder Cup team, I might go with Justin Rose. Which and would you take an experienced player over any of those three? The Migliosi coming through. I don't know how old he is. Wiesberger coming through that haven't been in a Ryder Cup. Would you would you pick someone who has been in a Ryder Cup or someone who you want to give a chance to? Uh, I, I think I, would go, I, th- I think I would go Pulse and Rose over those two at the moment. Right. I think I, I think for for young players, I'm kind of of the belief they have to earn their way in. Whereas right. the other guys have kind of like they've earned the right, not the right, but like the. the, the yeah, I'm going to go with the right. The right to have the captain's pick because they've been there, done it, seen it. It's a different ball game. It's a completely different level of competition. You're playing really shit golf at the moment. I get it, but it's okay. But come play anyway. <laughs> do, you, do you say that Westwood's currently in the lineup? Yes, yes. 
Okay. Okay. That's mega if he's there. Because if he doesn't quite make it, he would be... I would have Rosen, Westwood as my captain's picks, probably. Yeah, fair. All right. Awesome. Um... Yeah, let's do this real quick. Final final section. Let's go there. Real quick one. Uh, it's mainly because it's topical. And if we leave this till next week, it will be probably pouring down with rain and a completely irrelevant discussion. Uh, it's really freaking hot. Tim went, for whatever reason, went to the range today. And the range, we all know, is basically an outdoor oven that just cooks people while they're in there playing golf. Why? I have no idea. Anyway solutions we're all playing this weekend it's gonna be mega hot or i haven't even checked that no, it's not i don't think it is no i looked at the weather worried. earlier the weather's breaking on friday already. i've got i've got 22 degrees and rain forecasted for sunday <laughs> yeah we've got we've got projected storms as well so oh amazing okay so friday friday me and ben are playing it's projected to be 26 i think it still was yeah, uh, solutions good. while you're out on the course what have we got to like keep us like so there's no way i could have played today i don't think like no. what what should we do ben what are your what are your thoughts i mean i've been known you know to to take a, a full-blown lunchbox on the golf course so i wouldn't be adverse to you know to taking uh the, the big cool bag out with us and taking ice packs and taking whatever you want there you can have ice creams you'd have to eat them pretty quickly you could have cold drinks you could have beers you could have water or because I watched it the other day in prep, because I'm basically a big kid in preparation of going to see Space Jam 2 on Friday. Bill Murray has an excellent one of those umbrella hats. Amazing. I think if, if Ian Poulter can get away with what he was wearing at the Open this week, I figured I could probably get away with one of those umbrella hats. They're, the, you know, they're, they're my two. Okay. I think they're both pretty solid. But Great. Awesome. Timbo, what have you come up with? Um, I've got a few, um, because mainly because these are all the things I just thought I would re- could really do with when I was at the range earlier today. Um, <laughs> they would take a bit of work, is the first thing I would say. So the first one, and this would need prep, um, would be, in advance of the round, stick two towels in the freezer overnight, um, buy a big Ziploc bag in advance, get those towels in that Ziploc bag with two kind of ice packs, put that in the side of your bag. Also get a spare pair of socks just on the outside of that Ziploc bag, spare pair of cold of cool socks. Oh, vital. Yeah. Any time of year, never underestimate the power of a fresh pair of socks. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Loves a pair, a spare pair of socks. Yeah. When you're wet, nothing, you know, Lifts the spirits quite like a drive pair, and as Tim just said, a nice cool pair of socks to to, to cool down those toasty mitts. Lovely. Um, I have also today, genuinely, just because of today, started looking at bucket hats, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I might be at some point the first player on the FBI tour to don a bucket hat. Amazing. Um, just because you know, all all round sun protection of your of your lid and your bonds and, and your neck very important um and the only other thing which is a bit of a boring hack but it is a good one is in your bottle of water which you're obviously going to take with you get a sachet of diarolite in there get those hydration salts in there as well as because as well as being one of the best hangover cures in the world you're welcome um a, a sachet of diarolite 
will obviously keep you on the straight and narrow, um, keep you hydrated. So there you go. That's my that's my top tip. And particularly oh. relevant. Stop you shitting your yeah. pants, Chris. Oh, <laughs> good point. I, I drank I drank a lot of diorolite last week. It has to be said, several sachets of diorolite last week were were consumed. For sure. <laughs> this podcast this podcast <laughs> is sponsored by diorolite this week. <laughs> Slice of gold brought to you by Diorolite. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shit your pants. <laughs> just for the record, doesn't stop you from doing that. Just replaces the, the fluids that you uh, that you do these. Um, yeah, the only things that I had were well. First of all, when we go to Portugal or wherever, it's often really freaking hot, and I was like, "What? Why are we okay with playing in thirty degree heat in Portugal, but in the UK, all of a sudden, I'm like, absolutely not. This is a mental decision." Uh, and, and there's a couple of reasons. One, the beer cart turns up at least twice around with ice cold beers, which is really freaking useful. So, golf clubs, if you're listening, help you help your players out there on the course, make some money in the process. Just continually drive that golf that buggy around with ice Sorry, cold. So can I jump in? Right, just can I jump in? Sorry to interrupt, but of course, you just no. reminded me of something. I want, just wanted to say I don't, I really appreciated what I turned up to the range on Friday night. Um, there are obviously a few chaps turning up to go for their twilight rounds. And I really, really appreciated the chap who turned up, got out of his car, slung the clubs over his back and opened a tinny in the car park to then walk towards the clubhouse on the first tee. I mean, oh. that was just dedication to the cause of having a few beers. To, I just thought it was just, he's walking with his bag what can in hand the can was obviously sprayed and it was dripping from his hand as he was walking <laughs> into the clubhouse honestly me ben and i on last friday had a couple of cans each so we went round. oh it was perfect what a friday night that was that was just just perfect um the and the other thing that i thought of was we're always in buggies and when you're in a buggy you get like the the, the wind which kind of cools you down as you're going but I realise that's probably not a solution because not everyone's just going to have a buggy every time they go out in England because it's not quite the same vibe. So what I want, you know, when you go to like, when you're a kid and you go to Disney World or Disney, whatever, Disneyland, and you get the the bottles no. of water with like a fan. <laughs> oh I'm not having it. Oh my gosh. That would be a lifesaver out of the course. So that would just be like, have that fan going, spraying water. Oh, that would just be wonderful. So I'm all for those being dotted, like have that in your bag instead of your drink. Well, not instead of your drink, still take your drink. Just you give it, You're giving me football tournament vibes. You know, when you're like seven and you put your two Robinson's bottle in the freezer yeah. the night before, yeah, pull it out, you put it in the cool box, let it, let it melt. The rest of the day. And the only other one I had was because I've played, having played golf in one particular very hot country where pre-round they take your bag and by the time like you you drive in they take your bag off take it around the side as you go through they dip your towel in freezing cold water as you uh before you play i take two towels dip them both in freezing cold water one so i can clean the, the clubs with as we go around uh two for just for you just take a freezing cold wet towel to go around and have various probably not very hygienic stations where you can dunk towels taps would do uh, <laughs> taps would do and just yeah a nice cold towel every few holes would be ideal done heat wave in the UK golf problems solved yeah I mean it's, that, it's, we have this that one week a year that we have we, we've just finished it we yeah, just nailed it. it we Absolutely, won't do that nailed it uh, well done I'm, I'm proud of us guys and I think that's a good place to uh, round off the pod so uh, let's just let's just leave it there chaps and we'll catch everybody next week
Catch you later, guys. See you next See you. time. Thanks so much for listening, guys. If you have enjoyed the show and our ramblings, then please subscribe and leave us a review. It massively helps us out. It's basically currency for podcasts, and it helps us go up those leaderboards and rankings, which gets more people listening to the show. This episode has been brought to you by Sunday Red Golf, which, biased, sure, but we think it's the best golf club in the world. Uh, If you're sublime, rubbish, scratch, hacker, does not matter. Everyone's welcome. You've got competitions, events, all kinds of stuff going on. You'll absolutely love it. As long as you love your golf, uh, you'll you'll enjoy it. So come and join us for free over at sundayredgolf.co.uk. And it's also brought to you by Tour Champ. You've heard us talking about the Race to Frey Ventos uh, in this episode. That is our annual competition for our group. Uh, and basically, it's to settle who you know is the best golfer in the group for that year. Uh, If you want to know who the best golfer in your group is for the year, then head on over to tourchamp.co and you can start your leagues for free.